we have done uh, a little more uh, nuance out of protocol improvements to uh, liquid staking to, or to just like Ethereum staking actually to be able to reduce the bond. Welcome to the Staking Insider podcast, where we explore the frontiers of staking with guests from leading protocols in the space. I'm Mirko, CEO and co-founder of Staking Rewards, and today we're happy to have Amir, co-founder of Puffer Finance, join the conversation. Puffer Finance is a liquid restaking protocol that offers native restaking, anti-slashing technology and very low bond requirements with a permissionless node operator set. They launched their pre-mainnet campaign at the start of February 2024. The first two weeks of the campaign have seen around 950 million in TVL deposited, making Puff ETH the second biggest LRT by market cap. And now let's jump right in. Cool. Hi, Amir. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. How about yourself? Uh, amazing. Yeah, cool. I think the first time we met was like last August um, when you guys were like already quite far with building Puffer. Um, but I, be I believe you were actually like one of the first ones building like a liquid restaking protocol. Um, yeah, like, uh, walk us a little bit through, like how, how that came to play and, um, how did you start the project? Absolutely. So we started Puffer by really thinking about how we can further decentralize Ethereum. Um, this started from like way before we even started Puffer. Uh, where we were initially thinking about onboarding the future of compute into a decentralized world and into Ethereum. We were very interested in bringing AI uh, onto Ethereum and securing AI applications uh, with Ethereum. Um, we went down the path of using TEEs, Trusted Execution Environment, to actually be able to bring confidential compute to Ethereum. We, re we then realized that it's not yet ready. It's not decentralized enough. Uh, and we need to actually make the foundation of what we believe to be a great uh, place for AI and securing future of confidential compute to be actually more decentralized. That's where we worked with uh, Justin Drake and the Ethereum Foundation to build the first anti-slashers um, for basically mitigating the risks of running Ethereum validators. Why did we do that? It's because the less risky it feels for validators to run uh, their operations, the more validators would be spun up and therefore they, it would start the decentralization. In our journey, we upgraded the protocol many times and we realized that reducing the bond and mitigating the slashing risk might not be enough to make running a validator more viable on Ethereum. Therefore, we started actually thinking about what can bring more viability into this. We ended up actually realizing that more rewards can incentivize further to run a validator from home. And that's where we started uh, being uh, like thinking about becoming a native liquidity staking protocol where validators and stakers can earn extra yield and extra reward based on running more infrastructure in Ethereum. That's a very sort of like a short intro on how Puffer started. Awesome. Yeah. So basically you, you started out like working on like very deep problems basically in the Ethereum space. Um, and then you also got involved with the Ethereum foundation. Um, and they got you, gave, gave you a grant for building out the anti-slashing technology that is now part of Puffer, right? Um, 
How, how did that work actually? Did you kind of approach the Ethereum Foundation or did they approach you or, um, yeah, how did that start? Well, initially it's just, it just started out of a conversation with Justin Drake. Uh, we were just brainstorming how we can use TEEs to improve and enhance the security of Ethereum rollups. Um, if you might recall as well, like, uh, there is a recent product came out of, uh, a collaboration in Automata and Scroll, which is a multi-proof system to secure ZK rollups. We, at that time, collaborated with Justin. The research is called 2FA for ZK rollups on E3 Search. That was our initial uh, work with Justin to actually provide security in depth using TDEs. Now, our collaboration just went further by Justin reaching out to us saying that I have also been working on this uh, idea that is called liquid solo staking. Uh, we're already, Justin was thinking about further decentralizing Ethereum validators using that research. And a part of that research was building these anti-slashers. He delegated that to us and uh, we received an Ethereum Foundation grant for it later on to actually build these anti-slashers from his research. That's where things uh, started, actually. That's awesome. What, what is the uh, liquid solo staking you mentioned? Yes. How, how, how does that work? And, and, but that's a different part of technology, right? Um, Absolutely. That's nothing to do with Puffer? Or... I would say we were very inspired by that research. It is different than what Puffer is. The idea is still users, uh, stakers have to bring their 32 e to run a validator, but they would get a receipt token for 31 ETH of that whole 32 ETH uh, stack. Where imagine their LST is 31 ETH after bringing 32 ETH. Still, it requires a high bond, but at least it provides uh, more liquidity uh, for uh, the user to go and use DeFi applications to earn more. That's basic, very basic idea of liquid solo staking. Awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then maybe before we jump into like more of the details around Puffer and your future plans and everything, um, it would be interesting to also look a little bit at, at your background because you actually worked as a, like at NASA, right? Um, that's and then correct. You transitioned into the crypto space. Um, do you want to walk us a little bit through that journey as well? Absolutely. Well, well, I started uh, working at NASA Jet Propulsion Labs in one of the divisions that focuses on many aspects of technology and new and cutting edge technology coming into NASA. My focus there as part of this sort of like a moonshot or like very research oriented uh, department uh, was to focus on AI. As part of focusing on AI, I have delved into few, few aspects of it, even the hardware specific uh, specifications to run an AI. And from there, I collaborated actually with my uh, friend, very old friend that I know for 10 years, Jason, who's also my co-founder, um, to actually uh, create ZKML solutions for NASA. That was our first uh, collaborative proposal when he was doing his PhD on, uh, when Jason was doing his PhD on accelerating ZK rollups using hardware. Uh, we actually collaboratively proposed the research to bring zero knowledge uh, machine learning uh, into NASA Jet Propulsion Labs. I was, I started getting exposed to more cryptography. I got introduced to 
all these ideas that Vitalik was talking about uh, back in 2018, 2019, about this very cool uh, thing called snarks. And uh, that was the beginning of the journey to being exposed to then later solutions, which was TEs that are more practical than ZK. Cool. So you actually got into crypto through being exposed to cryptography at NASA, or have you already been in crypto before that as well? Um, I have not been in crypto before as a technical user or a developer. Rather, I was just a user. Right. So you invested in crypto. Yeah. All right. Cool. Awesome. Um, and then, so you, you had the idea to come up with Puffer and maybe the one question uh, before that, like, why, why Puffer? Um, obviously, like we know the Puffer fish and it, uh, it bloats up, right? When it's um, in danger. Um, so what, what is it with the name? Well, um, we were looking for a name that is actually very much related to water theme because it is a staking pool and we wanted it to be unique. We wanted uh, everyone to be able to make a connection uh, with the brand itself. Uh, and of course, uh, it just worked out very well that Puffer also has a lot of defense mechanisms against like uh, the predators in the sea and it connected very well with our anti-slashing technology. And the idea of like actually protecting and preserving uh, themselves, and uh, it very well connected. And thanks to our um, uh, great uh, marketing team and head of marketing, we were able to come up with a great name. Awesome, that's great. Yeah, I think it plays very well with the anti-slashing technology, which I think is unique um, in the staking space as well. Is it? I. I think it is. Um, I would start talking about like, I can talk a little deeper about how anti-slashers today work. What was the idea of slashing protection and where Puffer's anti-slasher comes in? Awesome. Yeah, I would love to to learn more about it. Um, and, but be, before we get into that, so you basically, you, you started building out Puffer um, as like a liquid restaking protocol from the beginning, right? Um, Puffer so at the base layer was actually a liquid staking protocol, hmm. but then we were introduced to Shiram and the idea of Eigenlayer later on, uh, and we expanded to becoming a liquid restaking uh, to actually increase the viability of running Ethereum validators. Awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, obviously. Um, so w when was the decision when you basically switched from, okay, we're building a liquid staking to building a liquid restaking. And um, was that mainly because, yeah, you made three ROM bullish on the technology, bullish on restaking? Of course, yeah. This was around, like you mentioned, like um, a little bit before last August. Uh, we actually maybe around July, we were making the last decisions and designs on like, um, what are the, overall risks of entering into this space. Uh, what is the risk reward? We were still waiting um, all the um, potential risks of uh, having like an inter like all the entire liquid staking pool being delegated to restaking applications or how should we design it best to mitigate a lot of risks associated with it. So yeah, these were the things that uh, we were thinking about ever since almost last July or August. Awesome. And then obviously like the, the anti-slashing 
does it also work for like the the restaked tokens basically um and yeah maybe walk us a little bit through how how that works with the anti-slashing and then you have staked ease and then obviously you also restake it yeah so maybe i will start by like explaining a little more what slashing is um i'll try uh, my best to actually um talk about like it from a point of view of first evaluator or an operator on a liquid staking pool and then from a staker uh, point of view as well of course in validator operations in ethereum there are three things that can get that validator slashed one it is double sign double proposing a block in a single slot basically each slot um, on ethereum beacon chain only has room for one block so double proposing accidentally might uh, end up getting a user slashed. There is also these things called attestations on uh, basically the beacon chain. Simply put, attestations are these acts of signing off on the status of the beacon chain, signing off on the status of basically Ethereum chain itself. It says, okay, the ordering of blocks are correct on beacon chain. And I, as a validator, I'm going to attest to this by signing off on it. If I double sign, basically double vote on the single slot, I will also get slashed. If I do surrounding or like surrounded voting apps as well, I would get slashed. So simply put, the validator should not cause equivocation. They should not cause a chain to create a loop. They should not cause a chain to um, basically rewrite itself or do anything bad. That's why the slashing is there. A little demystification here is a lot of people say, oh, what if my hardware goes off? Am I going to get slashed? No, you are not going to get slashed. You are going to be accruing a very small penalty, equivalent of if you would have been rewarded if you signed it like an attestation. So that's basically the idea of slashing. Of course, if in slashing happens today, it can range from one ETH to 32 ETH penalty. And it depends on a correlation correlated uh, slashing. That means that how many validators are getting slashed within a certain period of time. I believe today it might be 18 to 36 days. Um, if let's say 30% or 33% of all the validators on Ethereum get slashed, then the slashing penalty becomes the full 32 ETH. That's the idea of slashing, the intro into slashing. Um, of course, um, in a liquid staking pool, we have to make sure that incentives are aligned in a way that when slashing it happening is happening, um, the users which delegated their ETH for Ethereum staking actually do not uh, get harmed. They do not lose their money because it is the responsibility of a validator or a node operator to protect users' assets. That's why we believe economic bonding is an important factor in protecting users' funds. Um, that's why at Puffer, we didn't say, hey, run our anti-slasher with zero ETH bond. We rather, much rather say, run our anti-slasher with one ETH economic bond as well. And that is very important in running a trustless protocol. I will uh, circle back to what a trustless or permissionless protocol is as well. But there were very uh, many uh, efforts in actually providing slashing protections. Even consensus clients themselves today have a small database that they keep within the consensus client 
as a slashing protection. So if the hardware goes offline and comes back online, they do remember what was the previously signed material. There were efforts to actually further protect this slashing database. Consensus actually developed uh, this product called Web3 Signer. Web3 Signer is a remote signing tool that holds an external database. Imagine they keep an external record of what has been previously signed or produced using that validator. If they keep a record and every time they're going to produce a signature, check against that database, they would not produce a slashing offense. Of course, there are still risks within this. There is this thing called validator keys. Today, validator keys are stored as like hot keys. Basically, you can imagine validator keys are like our hot wallets. Their private keys are exposed. The private key can be accidentally used to spin up another validator in parallel with your existing validator. If you have two validators running at the same time with the same key, they are going to double sign. And that double signing is going to produce a slashing effect. And as you might have seen, it happened quite a few times uh, over the last year. That's where you can think of Puffer's anti-slasher secure signer as a hardware wallet version of this remote signing tool where the private keys of the validators are generated within the secure hardware. Also, the database of previously signed material are kept in this secured hardware. So even the database cannot be changed. It cannot be basically uh, corrupted because it's protected within the hardware secure module. So really, we just built this product, Secure Signer, as a remote signing tool which actually adopts a lot of standards from Consensus's Web3 Signer to actually protect the users from making mistakes themselves. Or let's say if there is an admin, if there is a malicious admin who would like to steal their keys, uh, they would not be able to simply steal their keys because their keys are not just like stored hot in just a file or like a key store file that can be transferred to any other person at any time. Or if their computer gets hacked, the keys would not be able to leave their computer. That's where um, really very short what uh, hardware uh, protection and anti-slasher is on top. Awesome. So that means every validator that is contributing to the Puff Finance protocol is running or I guess generating these keys with this signer tool? Yes. So we actually wanted to uh, relax this requirement a little bit for various reasons. Today, the only trusted execution environment that we have enabled on Puffer is Intel SGX. We need understand the fact that it might be hard to afford this Intel SGX, or it might be not as available as other hardware solutions in the market right now. People might have to um, um, obtain older versions of Intel to be able to run it from home, or they might have to hosted on the cloud to be able to run it. Therefore, we mentioned that um, we proposed a design at Puffer that is two forms of operations. If they would like to run our um, anti-slasher, the validator collateral becomes one ETH. If they are not running the anti-slasher, the validator collateral becomes two ETH. Mm. Right. Yeah. And that's also like one of the unique features of the protocol, right? That you can run a validator contribute with just one ease or two ease, right? That is correct. Yes. And to get here, 
I think anti-slashers are not the only part. We have done uh, a little more uh, nuance out of protocol improvements to uh, liquid staking to, or to just like Ethereum staking, actually, to be able to reduce the bot. And I can unpack that as well. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious um, if we stay with the slashing topic for a second, uh, because slashing, I think it will also become quite important for the whole restaking space, right? Um, when you include like, okay, you're also restaking for different ABS and then there's like different slashing requirements, I believe. Correct. Um, how, how would that work? And would, yeah, the technology apply there as well? Or like, yeah, what do you think about the, the role of slashing in general and what tools or like what, what solutions does Puffer have for that in the long term? Absolutely. For any restaking application, I think the underlying asset and the security of the underlying asset is very important. Whether it's native staking or LST restaking, which I think those are the two very different things, it is important that the underlying asset is safe and secure. So the first level of security is Ethereum staking should be having the least amount of risk by providing both economic security for the node operators and also anti-slashing solutions. Because as long as that asset is safe, then the AVS can feel safe to be restaked, to be delegated to, to run their own applications. Now, on the AVS level itself, there is also a slashing. What can Puffer's anti-slashing be generalized is really it can be generalized over all consensus mechanisms. And you know, a lot of middlewares uh, on uh, basically Ethereum run with their own consensus mechanism. Whether they're an Oracle, whether they're in Bridge, they're always like a something out of an X out of Y signatures that have to come to consensus in agreeing with a certain operations or whether it's an L2 sequencer. All of these, like an anti-slasher, a key management service or a hardware-based key management service like Puffer's uh, Secure Signer can be generalized to be used within these applications as well. So you really would start having two layers of risk mitigation. One is from the base layer on Ethereum staking. So you make sure the assets securing your middleware are safe. But two it is actually securing your own uh, AVS from slashing effects from uh, Puffer's anti-slasher mechanism. So that's where uh, it would be very useful in restaking. Yeah, that's, that's great. I think um, if it can be generalized, that's obviously amazing because I think slashing will be like such a, we play a much bigger role with the restaking as well. Um, and I'm actually curious what you think yourself about the role of slashing going forward because it currently it feels like most of the slashing events that happen because of like some misconfigurations and like people accidentally spun up like the, the same validator key twice or something um, but there hasn't been any type of yeah someone is intentionally trying to corrupt the network or something and then got slashed right yeah you see, I, this is I think there was only in the future or yeah I think there was one basically uh, incident that uh, caused a slashing offense that someone was trying to do like something with MEV. I do not exactly remember. One validator was Melissa who got so far slashed. But I do see, I 
where like slashing can be very big and existential. Um, and that's where either some of the clients like consensus or execution client mistakes can be made. We know there were bugs that caused inactivity leak um, sometimes. And of course, like there should be consensus client or execution client diversity enough not to damage that. But even if, uh, let's say, there is a 10% majority clients and one of these clients actually accidentally an upgrade to them causes it and slashing. Or let's say if someone just pushes a malicious code to one of these consensus clients repos or like code bases and they might cause a mass slashing event. Today, we don't have a real protection against that. If that happens, let's say 10% minority client um, creates a bug that is a slashable, then it's just going to be 10% uh, of the Ethereum validators getting slashed, which can translate to almost 10 ETH per slashing event, which is going to be very big on uh, today's staking activity. And there's going to be a lot of assets lost. That's where we think it's just a very big thing that reduces uh, this entire slashing risk. Even though with a very low possibility of happening, we still think we should be um, actually be careful about this risk. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there there is a possibility of a black swan event just from like some potential like unintended bug or something um, that leads to to something like that. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely like a, a risk out there. Um, and then, so you also mentioned obviously like you have a lot of like besides the anti slashing, there's a lot of innovations that you also like brought um, to shine with Puffer. Um, and yeah, I think you, you guys uh, have been crushing it. Like you, you got a lot of TVL. I think you are at like 950 million now or something. Um, and yeah, um, what, what contributed to that success as well? I think currently mainly people can deposit in STEs or deposit in STEs only, right? Um, was that like a contributing factor and like what else? Of course. Yeah. Maybe I'll start by saying, talking a little bit more about how we could reduce the bond requirement, and then I will get into how uh, the campaign went. So, um, other than mitigating the risks of slashing that contributes to this reducing the bond requirement, there are other concerns as well. One is, um, basically the lazy node operators. Let's say if you have an untrusted lazy node operator that decides to switch off their hardware after they signed up and walk away. Or it can be an accident. It can be an accident that somebody loses um, access to internet or their hardware just uh, basically breaks. The idea is how are we able to eject this validator before actually it starts losing bonds? And a validator can really lose up to 16 ETH before it gets ejected automatically or it gets queued for exit uh, by the Ethereum uh, consensus itself. So you can imagine if on a puffer that has a one ETH bond, if they go offline, they would lose 15 ETH for the user. We had to come up with a solution to actually exit that. There are, there has been talks ever since 2020 that we need to implement this EIP uh, which is today called EIP-7002 or EIP-7002 that provides an ability to eject a validator using a smart contracts on the execution layer. Basically send a message on the execution layer that you would like to exit your validator and you would be exited. 
instead of having to sign off using your validator key and signing an exit message, a voluntary exit message, which is currently the form today. So we had to solve for that using our guardian modules, which is basically a, a, the committee of DEs that can eject these validators upon an activity. Another big thing in untrusted or permissionless uh, node operations on Ethereum, by untrusted and like the trustless or basically uh, permissionless, I mean anyone can run a node. When anyone can run a node, there are anything that can happen as well is stealing MEV or what Justin Jay calls rock pulling. Let's say if a node actually gets an MEV block that is more than their collateral, oftentimes they should they should always share it with the users because users delegated their ETH to them to run this node and therefore the MEV that they earned should be shared with the users. But if this MEV is more than, let's say on Puffer, more than one ETH, if they get a five ETH MEV block, then they're incentivized to actually even say, okay, even if Puffer is going to penalize me and slash me, they can only penalize me for one ETH. They are willing to forego that one ETH to get the five ETH uh, MEV block and be positive four ETH and just walk away, which is just bad for the user. Like in centralized operations, when you have a centralized entity running the nodes, you can just go like basically knock on their door. Hey, give my MEV back, which is everything's backed by reputation, but you're moving to an ecosystem that everything is going, has to be trustless and permissionless. That's where we had to solve for this issue. You had to create a mechanism that actually prevents from this MEV stealing. That's where uh, we did another collaborative research with Justin Drake, which is called smoothing commitments. Today, we call them validator tickets. The validator ticket actually, the simplest way to put it, it's a prepayment to the stakers to running a node on Ethereum. And then of course it has, it is subsidized. It is like by 5%, by 10%, by however much fee a node operator has to charge. And they just pay these two stakers to run a validator. And of course, there is a lot of good things that comes from validator tickets. One is including like incentivizing for highest validator aliveness. Since the node operator already prepaid what they would have made, they have to be live for the entire time. Let's say for a month that they prepaid to be operational, for a year to be operational, to make that money back. But what the other very good thing is, now the node operator is actually can walk away with 100% of their rewards since they have, they paid the average expected MEV, prepaid it to the user, whatever MEV block they get, they can just walk away from it. A version of this actually like similar to this was proposed to be added to the Ethereum beacon chain itself, which is called execution tickets today. That's different in ways that like the attester and proposer are going to be separated in that uh, uh, basically a proposal, but it is a similar idea that creates a lot of protections around MEV stealing. So basically solving for these entire problems, Puffer created this unique product that is much different than other LSDs that is finally set to create the viability that at home staking can now compete with very large uh, staking operations. 
that's where we believe after like it, it has been very long anticipated for the users to enter into this protocol. That's where after we wanted to open this sort of vampire campaign, uh, basically that's what Puffer's Crunchy Carrot is. It's just a big vampire campaign. I think today it has about 350,000 e worth of speed. Um, and upon launching on Puffer's mainnet, all of these are going to be withdrawn uh, from Lido. This would translate to three and a half percent of uh, total uh, Lido's speed uh, today, which would not only uh, jumpstart the Puffer protocol itself to run the decentralized validators, but it would also like reduce this centralizing factor of one of the biggest players in the LSD marketplace. The worry that a lot have, including the Ethereum foundations and other like community that no LSD operations should surpass the total of 33% total ETH staked because of the dangerous consensus threshold. That's why we believe uh, community like did not forget about that and they wanted to actually contribute into that to keeping their favorite chain, which is Ethereum, as decentralized and safe as possible. So I, I understand, I, uh, do I understand correctly that um, the node operator set is permissionless or like what type of mechanisms will you have at the start there? Yeah, at the start, it would be all permissionless. So all essentially right. um, anyone at home that have one ETH and they have the capability of running the anti-slasher can enter Puffer protocol. And if they don't have the anti-slasher, then they can still do it with two ETH. Correct. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's very exciting. Um, and yeah, like when is the mainnet launching? Um, what, what's the plan? We're planning for very early um, second quarter um, of this year. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Yeah, super exciting. Um, Hami, it's been great having you on the show. Um, thanks for the deep dive here uh, into Puffer. I think the uh, anti-slashing, low bond requirements, and um, yeah, the, the whole uh, background of the protocol is very inspiring. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward um, to the mainnet um, and see what you guys come up with over the next few months and years. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Cool. Thanks, Amir. Cheers. Thank you. Have a good day.